Hello and welcome to episode seven of Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a million part series. I am Logan Wolf, missionary to the state of Utah, coming to you from my office in Provo, Utah. My wife and I have been here for 12 years and uh, we moved here from Wilmington, North Carolina as church planters. And during the course of these 12 years, our ministry has taken a lot of different forms. We started as a mobile church meeting in the Conference Center of a Best Western. We became multi-site with campuses, buildings, staff in two different counties. And we are now functioning as a network of house churches across the state. Uh, In this podcast, I am talking back through all of that. Uh, In order to share with you my experiences, what I would do differently if I were pursuing those same courses of action, basically that same methodology, as well as what I would do differently if I were just starting from scratch, um, knowing what I, I know now, having gone through what I have been through. And my hope in that is that I can save you some of the missteps and the frustration and the heartache and the hurt that I've gone through, as well as just your time, your energy, and all of, of that money uh, as you are laboring or preparing to labor uh, in your city. I am joined again uh, by my friend Isaac Morin uh, in Orange County, California. I know uh, I had gotten some feedback on the first few episodes of the podcast, and one of the things was it would be nice to have someone to have a conversation with instead of just me monologuing. So I don't know how to take that. Uh, But so I had Isaac with me last time and we had a a great conversation and that episode was well-received. Isaac and I have brainstormed a couple um, different topics. And so he'll be joining me today again, probably one or two more times uh, in the near future. And then I have reached out to several other church planters who have been on the field uh, a number of years, enough to look back and share their experiences. So we'll get some other voices uh, in the future as well. But Isaac, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, doing great, man. Glad to be back. I, I'm I'm pretty appreciative. You know, they it's kind of like guest speaking. You know, if you go the first time, uh, that's fine. But you really know if it was well received if they ask you to come back on again. So <laughs> glad I'm so, glad I made the cut. Uh, you, I, I didn't know. So guest speakers get invited back. That's okay. I'm learning something about myself. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm really just talking out of like what people have said, you know, it's not because I've gotten invited back. This is, this is actually the first time. So thank you. This is- yes, sir, man. I'm no, I'm looking forward to this. We are picking up a topic um, that kind of, it's still, I, I'm looking in at, my ministry, it's still that kind of pre-move to Utah phase, but also spilled over into what was happening shortly after we got here. And that it has to do with books. And so I'm an avid reader. Isaac, I know you read. The, the mistake um, that I want us to dig into, at least the kind of the big uh, theme today, is I was actually reading church planning books like a checklist. I was reading them like a checklist. And so uh, maybe I tell you what, maybe before I jump in with some of my stories and experiences, why don't you kind of share a little bit of yours um, just as you were preparing, let's just say for ministry, for church planting, how, what, what was your experience just with picking up content books from other, others who've gone before you and how did that kind of shape maybe those initial days? Yeah, I love this question. And and I did want to say like this podcast is great because walking through some of these conversations with you, it's it's actually forcing, not forcing me, but it, it is encouraging me to look back and glean some more lessons, which I don't really know that I'm really prone to do that on my own. So yeah, really grateful to, to have some. Uh, well, no, you know, just as an aside, yeah, as to that point, I don't think until I had sat down to do this, I had actually processed emotionally it's everything that I had gone through. (laughs) And so it it, it is, there is like, I wanted to, obviously the purpose is to be helpful, but there is, I think some great personal value and looking back over your life in that way. So yeah, let's hear it, man. Let's hear what's, what's, what happened. So I, yeah, I would have to say that when, when we were getting ready to get started again, this is, you know, over 12 years ago now, and, and and really over 12 and a half years ago, because we started about five or six months before we actually hit the field, the culture that I was in was, you know, go-getter, you know, leading. Um, the Great Commission is front and center, uh, both from the standpoint of missions 
as well as you know the the present community that we were in. And there was this very type A driven atmosphere, which I love. You know, I'm I'm a self starter guy. I I really appreciate that. I I don't really look back at that and you know uh, dislike it or or feel like it was a negative thing. But there, one of the driving things that was there was just this idea of reading a book every week. And we're talking 52 books a year, right? Like you would have book reading goals that you would set with your peers that you would kind of check in every once in a while with each other. And so there was this mentality about book reading that was very much volume based, right? Hmm. And so I would be trying to read through a book every single week. Now, I still have friends that are on that path and they're trying to do that. I was about to say, just for, for comparison's sake, do you set goals for yourself now with reading or how has that changed? Yeah. So I try to read a little bit more of now. I try to read a little bit more along the lines of a dimension of my life that I'm trying to develop in. And that will change every year. Uh, Sometimes I'm trying to grow in my financial intellectual understanding. Sometimes I'm trying like this year I am plowing through a book that and by plowing, I mean reading like six sentences and then thinking about it for six weeks because it's about the alpha Bravo systems or the system A, system B of how our brain and body works. It's a, it's a super uh, heavy book, um, but I want to I learn more about how my mind works, about how I work. And, and of course, people work, you know, and so um, or I might be looking for a book to help me sharpen my pastorate skills and my shepherding skills. Uh, maybe there's a book that will help develop me in prayer or as a better husband, a better father to my daughters or my boys. Um, maybe I want to learn a little bit more about like investing and some things like that. Right. Um, obviously I'm bivocational. So there's also some reading that can encourage me like in sales or just general insurance type things that I'm doing now. So hundred percent still setting goals on reading books. Like I'm not a, I'm not a, what's the word? I'm not passive, you know, in my personal development at all, but you're not anti-reading. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I will say this, that the the approach now for me, and I mentioned this, this to you earlier in the week, is my approach now on reading is more about getting from what I would call a mirror to a window. And so I am far less concerned about the volume of information that I may forget three days after I read this book. Like, because I have, I have no desire to check some box so that some friend of mine that I talked to on the phone or do a podcast with, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I just, I don't have that. I don't really have that drive in me anymore or need in me anymore to say, yeah, I'm 26 books deep and it's June, you know, because that's not my purpose of reading. My purpose purpose of reading is development, uh, understanding, intellectual growth, mental sharpness, and, and really being able to serve people around me at the best level possible. Right. So that's how I'm selecting books now. Um, and that's my approach with this mirror. So, and by mirror, I mean, yeah, I don't know if that's what you were going to ask, but well, no, I, no, I, uh, you're so far off my initial question now. It doesn't matter. Does it? So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, I think that's a good takeaway though. Just in ministry in general is the reading for the sake of reading is not the goal, right? right. Just, it's not volume. It's yes. we're, we're actually looking to take something away. That's going to shape us and help us. I shared with you a, a, a second ago before we started recording a quote from Eric Thomas. There's it was a motivational speaker. If you don't know Dr. Eric Thomas, um, but he has another quote and I forget what the, what he's the big talk is, but he talks, he's basically says, stop thinking you're deep. Cause you read. Uh, you know, anyone, we can just, we can check up this list of, of yes. all these books we're reading, but if we're not actually applying it and, uh, making application yes. and retaining some of that information, it's, it's nothing. So I have never had, I don't think I've ever read 52 books in a year. I, on average, no. uh, I know you're shaking your head. I have kept, so I have kept a list of every book I've read since 2007. Uh, I don't know what prompted me to do that, but I have a list of every book I've read since 2007. Um, and so if you average it out, it's it's basically two books a month. It's 24 books a year. So uh, about half of what you're, <laughs> what you're plugging away there, man. 
but no, go. So yeah, I I agree. We're we're this that that analogy of the door and the the mirrors or the the mirror and the windows. What you said, right? Yeah, um, is, is is powerful. So pick up back there, but then let's kind of circle back to um, church planting books specifically. So I don't know if you were plowing through content, not um, apply just just to say you've read it or what. But let's just pick up there and circle back to the actual the books about church planting. Yeah, and so. With that, right, you, uh, for, for my experience, that list of books ended very quickly because there were not, you know what I'm saying? There weren't really a lot of books written by um, my, his, my history or my background uh, about church planting. And, um, and it's frustrating to think back on this because I think that really lends itself to the approach that I had with books even early in the days of ministry. So I read some mm-hmm. books by uh, Craig Rochelle. Uh, I'm a bit, I'm a, I'm a fan of Craig Rochelle. His leadership uh, podcast is just so good. Um, but he wrote a book it that had just come out then. I think they did a, a rewrite of that pretty recently um, now. And, um, but the book you mentioned uh was it how to start a church from scratch? I think how to, um, how to start your church from the ground up yep. is one of the, you read that, you read that as well, or it's called starting well. your church from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the, I think a glorious church was another one I read, not really about church planting, but it was about the church and, and some of that stuff. And so, um, but yeah, then you got Nelson Searcy, right. Um, and, and really, <laughs> you know, just to, crack the lid on the craziness I planted out of was I I was not like my conscience wouldn't even let me read that book until we were about three or four years into the church plant. So, you know, take that. It was too late by then. You already had lost. (laughs) I mean, all the good things that I could have learned, you know, uh, because I I do think that's a helpful book. Um, But yeah, so anyways, it it was, uh, I, I, I limited myself to a certain selection of books about church planning, uh, which was, which is a bad idea. Like, and I would say to anybody going to start a church, you want to get as broad a perspective on church planting as possible from, from the house church movement, the DMM movement to the attractional model, because um, maybe we'll talk about this later. I mean, that's going to, one of those models or one of those approaches will speak a little bit more to you. Um, And so to to answer your original question to back up is it, it was a very, very small list and it was my the, the 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 people that had written those books were people that I was either employed by or really close connected to through my alma mater, or they were friends of that alma mater. And okay. they were taken to be, this is how it's done. Um, yeah. And that was a terrible, terrible thing to do because, and I've shared this with you uh, years ago, uh, we, we took then a cultural, a religious cultural approach to bringing the gospel to a city. And that's terrible, you know, because the gospel creates its own culture. Um, But it's so malleable, obviously, if God has a global vision of his kingdom, it certainly has a very malleable application to how you get the gospel into a variety of different contexts. And so, we really came here out of that mistake of limiting the input on church planning to just kind of forcing the gospel in this religious box uh, that our culture was just uh, not really looking for. And I eventually grew tired of. So, man, I I think that advice to read widely is so crucial. Um, Otherwise you get this kind of tunnel vision and that a tunnel vision will shape your expectations of your experience, right? So yes. if all your books and all your reading are by the same camp, the same authors, the same approach, same time period, all this kind of stuff, you if that's all you're reading and you're cutting everything else out, you're going to come in, implement it. And then when it doesn't play out the way that everything you've read play, you know, says it's going to play out, there's going to be a lot of, I think, internal struggle and disappointment. And I yes. know that because I did that. Yes. So I, uh, I have read, so I'm looking at a list here. Um, so I'm look. I pulled church planning books that I read between 2009 and 2012. So that would be the two years 
that we started raising funds 2009 and 2010. We were on the field in 2011. So that's the first two years after we have arrived. Excuse me. Not, a t- I mean, not, I wasn't reading again. I'm not reading dozens and dozens and dozens of books. I wasn't competing with my friends for who could read the most. Uh, but I've got, uh, I've got seven or eight books here and they are very, I think, diverse. And I think the greatest example of that, the diversity is you've already said it. It's yep. the very first book I read, Starting Your Church from the Ground Up by Mutchler. Could not probably be more removed than Nelson Searcy's book launch. Uh, two totally different kind of ministries yeah. and mentalities. And um, I, I I think what Mutchler's book, Starting a Church from the Ground Up, is very much a uh, kind of like a step-by-step process. Like he gives you exactly what he did at that yeah. time. to And again, to great success. He shows you where I started, what I did. Here was the results. And he gives you tons of resources in that book to walk that same path. And so I, maybe it's because that was the first church planning book I read that was so clearly laid out as a step-by-step process. I kind of took that mentality into every other church planning book I read. Like, oh, they're all going to give me a step-by-step approach to what I need to do. And so I kind of, and again, that's my, I think my fault as the reader, as the audience, I basically imposed that on every book that I read. So I went from starting your church from the ground up to planting growing churches for the 21st century. I don't know if you read that by Malfers. Um, Good stuff. Good stuff there. Uh, Again, I basically imposed a checklist on it. I read planting and growing a fundamental church. Um, You could, yeah, the swinging the other way, you know, Um, and I didn't put the, uh, I put the year I read it to put the author down there. So I'm not sure um, who this one, that one was by then of course launch starting a new church from scratch by Cersei. I went, I read Stetzer's planting a missional planting missional churches. Did you read that? Anything by Stetzer? No, no, no. Um, Getting so then I read this book and this book I bought solely based on the title because tell me doesn't doesn't sound like an excellent book. Getting a church started in the face of insurmountable odds with limited resources and unlikely circumstances. (laughs) Isn't that a great title? That is so So, great. It was a terrible book. (laughs) So disappointed. Oh, that was by Towns. It was, you know, it was, I think the the title just had my expectations high because I I thought that's what I'm stepping into. Like I'm going to, it was basically just like biographical sketches of different works at different times across the country. So not, you know, you're learning, I guess, more by example, but it wasn't, uh, I wasn't what I was, I was hoping. That title, I love that title. Go ahead. That is a great title. Um, And then (laughs) quick, quick question. I, I may I need to open a door. Is this going to jack your recording? No, up? go for it. Go Can for it. And, I mean, I'm not editing. I'm not editing anything. So if there's a garage door sound on it, people okay. will know. When you guys go to review this or leave comments, please yeah, overlook please Isaac's. Do. And let me know how. <laughs> and please just in the comments, if you'll let me know how good <laughs> elevator music was while I'm gone. Uh, I'm going to continue. This last book that I read while he's away. Um, during the same time period was 10 most common mistakes made by church starts. And that was by Griffith. Um, And so I read seven church planting books. And again, I basically was approaching all seven of these as checklist. And the two that really, the two that I actually leaned on heavily as like, this is what I'm going to do was Mutchler's starting your church from the ground up and Cersei's launch starting the new church from scratch. Um, and again, I mean, the titles basically capture the idea that they're going to tell you what to do. Cersei's yeah. isn't as step-by-step do this, do this, do this as Mutchler's is, but it, he's still giving you a process. So I made the mistake then, um, Isaac, of thinking if I did everything they did in those books, that I would have the same results. And you can look at both those brothers and their work. And they both, I think if you're talking numbers numerically, they were very successful on their opening grand opening launch service or whatever. So um, I walked all that out. Yeah. You you know, it's, it's funny too, though, because I, I, as I'm thinking about what you're saying, I'm, I'm, a, I'm realizing I did not read a lot of church planting books, kind of like I mentioned, right? Like about actual church planting uh, prior to going. Um, and, I, and I think this is good because this was probably my biggest error on the books I was reading. 
I was reading books that were more related to the organization and administration and um, things of that nature leading into church planting. And I, and I think this is, this is going to be helpful because no doubt somebody's going to be listening to this thinking in order for this thing to move forward, I have got to have this thing organized. Now Hmm. we're definitely not against organization and you've got to, you got to organize some stuff, but I, I would have, I would have argued for myself. I should have spent a lot more time reading books. I think a little bit more on leading, um, spiritual formation, shepherding people, um, maybe some more, like, I mean, we could talk a lot about some tools that we have and use now. Um, and, and I think the reason I'm so invested in some of these things that we are now is because it's so anchored to the vision of health Mm. more than anything. And, and really when you're talking about starting a church, you're certainly talking about getting lost people, but fundamentally, you're talking about people's spiritual health, whether they're far yeah. from God or not, you know, whether you're finding uh, spiritual people, church people, de-church people, or unchurched people, really, that's your primary aim uh, as a church planter or a shepherd. And yet, a lot of the conversation around church planting is more focused on the supporting mechanisms for growth. When really the the actual thing that leads to growth is health, healthy, healthy things grow, you know, we could say. So I think that was one of the major things that I missed in my approach to book reading was it was fundamentally on the wrong direction of what I should have been reading in the first place. So, yes. Okay. So let's read. So the pilot key. I, th- I think one, we've talked about reading widely, just if you're going to read on church planting. Don't fall into one. I, and looking at my own list, I could have read, read much more widely than I have um, had already. In fact, I looked Excellent. at our de- our denominational has our denomination has a publishing house, and I'm looking here, and they do not have a church planting book at all. Um, so not even my own background denomination has put anything. And yet they've not asked me to put anything together for them or nothing. So I don't know what to. <laughs> So, but I read widely from, you know, all over, I think would be helpful. And then, yeah, I think I did the same thing. I'm looking at my list of books. There is a lot of just general ministry stuff. There was a lot of stuff that was clearly written for churches that are established. Um, So way far ahead of where I was in the ministry, it would have been, you know, I don't think I needed to be consuming all that just that I've actually a lot of fiction on here too. Um, But then I think another area where I was reading a lot of um, at the in, in anticipation of church planting that same period, 2009 and 2012. I was reading a ton of just preaching books. Um, and again, I, I, if you go back to my episode, I think it's episode two about discipleship. You know, my whole idea, what I grew up understanding discipleship to mean is you come to church three times a week, you hear a sermon and you're being discipled. And so my mindset was, well, come. We'll do the attractional model of ministry. I'll speak, and that's how people will get saved and make disciples. Uh, yes. And so I was reading, and again, just a, here's just a few. Again, these are great books: "Simplicity and Preaching" by Ryle. I love the Twelve Essential Skills for Great Preaching by McDill, and I probably like that because I like checklists, <laughs> and he gives you some tools to kind of internalize there. Uh, Supremacy of God and Preaching by Piper is another good one. Anointed Expository Preaching. Uh, so the, I mean, I was reading all of this, thinking I was going to come in and preach what happened. And we'll talk about this later when we talk about actually launching is so much of my time and energy was then actually around crafting these sermons and pre, you know, preparing messages to preach that I wasn't actually learning my community, engaging the community with the gospel. And so right. even my reading on the, on the front end, I think kind of showed where my mindset was a little bit. Now I will say, if you're going the attractional model, we talked about this when we talked about, uh, we might talk about it in our conversation. I know I, I mentioned it when I talked about fundraising with, uh, we talked about it with teams with you and I, but then fundraising, if you're going to the attractional model, you're going to have the grand opening service, the launch service, and you're going big, you've got all the, you know, the signage and all the equipment and gear and the instruments, the teams and, and the volunteer, you have all this. And then, okay, well then what comes like the, 
the message from the stage needs to match that and be like really good if yep. you're going to go that model. And so I'm all for honing that craft and that skill. Um, but again, I think it was a little unbalanced on my part and I'm, it's evident in just what I was picking up and what I was, I was reading during that time. I think, does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. And for sure. Right. Like nobody is saying be boring and <laughs> like, don't have something good to draw out of the text. I mean, because that's just, you know, that's just, that's just wrong to do the text. I mean, this is like, this is the book that changes lives. You know, this is the power of the gospel, right? So there is, there is zero, if, if I'm listening to someone preach a passage, or if I'm preaching a passage, like I owe it to the text to have it and, and the audience, obviously, to, to be engaging, to be winsome, to do your best job, um, to be an engaging speaker, like, and some of that's just because that's the type of person I think you should be, you know? Uh, but then too, obviously, um, I, I certainly think, I mean, people go to, to performances and they go to venues and they go there not to have their time wasted. And right. the last place anyone should feel like their time's being wasted is at church for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, that doesn't mean it needs to be an hour long or 35 minutes long. You can say something really powerful without being super creative in like 20 minutes. Um, And some of that's more to do with the the passage, you know, like the God's word won't return void, you know, type stuff. And, but I I think so much of today is about being so creative. Um, That's why you have these just absurd sermon series, you know, out there that, you know, but then they end up saying the same thing. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into or listened to a pod, not a podcast, but like a, a an online message that had this really catchy title. But yeah. then it was like the whole message was about ministry involvement and we need more volunteers. And it was like, OK, <laughs> like, you know, good job. Uh, I, I'm curious. Give me this is so far off topic, but talking about catchy sermon titles. Have, Looking back, what was one of your favorite series that you you did, you you preached, or a title of a message? So it's funny you asked that. I was actually thinking about that this morning because I'm actually thinking about putting this into like a mini book form. Um, uh-huh. It was the study of the life of Gideon and uh, the series we did. Now, this is, this is going to frustrate you because I, I know you wanted one that was absurd and ridiculous, and I think I have one of those. But the name of the series was small. It's bigger than you think. And that was probably one of my favorite <laughs> series that we did. It was great. And, and it's, it's really embodied a lot of the path that our church has gone in the last, you know, I mean, that was like our fifth year or fourth year or something like that. And so over yeah. the last eight years, it's kind of trended that direction. And uh, in a lot of ways, it, it rings true. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think of like a, a really dumb one. Um, probably like road trip. You know, like it was like some summer series and oh, yeah. uh, that was, that was, uh, that was one. Um, I did a, I did a series once called crazy busy off of, uh, what's that guy's name that wrote the book crazy oh, the, busy. the book. Yeah. 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 Um, DeLong, DeYoung, Kyle, DeYoung. I think it's DeYoung. Yeah, DeYoung. Kevin DeYoung. I know what you're talking about. I can picture the cover. Um, Gosh, I mean, I, I probably, honestly, I probably just think too much of myself to really admit that they were that absurd or terrible. I'm going to say, I feel like you could have a long list, but whatever. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, I did one. I did one. I would not, like, I cringe when I, this was like when we first got started, uh, like maybe the first Christmas, I did one called The War on Christmas. You know, you buy into the culture, <laughs> the culture, the culture. <laughs> Like that culture war, like ever. So there was like a message on like traditionalism and consumerism, and that, I don't know. There was like four isms that I preached in the war on Christmas. Um, oh my god, cringe, that is so yeah, funny. cringe. cringe. The graphic was like this wrecking ball hitting a Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> I tell you, one of my yeah, hitting a Christmas tree. Uh, I don't know. It was dumb. I tell you, one of my favorites though. We did a we did a, a it might have been a standalone message called The Walking Dead when the show was out no, um, and yeah, kind of walked through Romans and being dead in our set. It was good, man. I loved it. 
Uh, that's probably one of my one of my favorites. Oh my god! Uh, okay, I'm so unprepared for that question, and I want to. No, we'll cut. That's something to come back to. We're we're, we're, like, we're supposed to be talking about book, preparing books we're reading. So here here's where I think there's also this. As you read, um, we're reading all these books. We're reading ministry books, specifically church planning books. Um, we're reading widely. It's also where do we feel ill-equipped? Because again, I'm not just consuming information for the sake of consuming information, right? I talked about that in the episode about discipleship. The goal is not just to obtain a bunch of information and trivia. Yes. The goal is, is, am I applying this? Am I walking this out? And so, you know, if you're, you've got, you know, you've, you've done this before, or you've got ministry experience before, you've got people speaking into your life. We're just trying to fill some gaps. Like if you've never done X, Y, or Z, I need to learn how to do X, Y, or Z and what that might look like in the city that I'm in or the city that I'm that I'm going to uh, yeah. and begin to kind of put that together. And I think praying and asking God, Lord, help me put this together because there's a lot of voices um, in these books, a lot of different approaches, a lot of different attitudes and mentalities, even towards other authors and other approaches. And, you know, so Lord, what, what does this look like in my context and at this time in my life? Yes. And, and I just real quick, I'll mention a, uh, a book, um, deep preaching by J Kent Edwards is deep a preaching. phenomenal book in terms of helping you have like 30 questions. Um, and he looks at the passage in four different directions, um, up back forward, and I think out. And so the idea is getting the historical context, really, really great book. Um, and then I would say when I, when I speak now, I kind of couple that approach, like to grab a lot of the information that I need to make an application for people um, in, and this, this will be funny, I guess, but I like to, I like to roll that into like Andy Stanley's approach you know, where it's just more, um, the me, we, God, you, me, whatever, you know, thing mm. that he has, yeah. um, help. It seems to help people grab stuff a little easier. I don't do a lot of preaching anymore. I preach like maybe once or once every two months now, but, um, it, uh, anyways, it, it seems to be a good blend of giving that hearty, you know, instead of being a guy that's preaching like John MacArthur and it's, it's kind of dry, it's not overly engaging. But then you don't want to be Andy Stanley where you're just making stuff up, you know, that, that just wow, sounds you're cool. Just yeah. Creating a wide spectrum here, aren't you, brother? Oh. <laughs> yeah. But I but I think somewhere in the middle, right, where you're engaging and you're making sense to people that are, you know, outside. But um, but it's also got a lot of inf in solid information, you know, behind it is is an important. Um, you were going somewhere uh with relation to what I'm reading into more of who I am. Um, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's also another mistake I made as well was, and again, I think this stems from using books as checklist. Right. And it was because of a, a really, it was just a, a lack of understanding on my part on how to use knowledge. Right. It was, it was really me and my, my um, immaturity getting yes. from like knowledge to understanding to wisdom. And I was, I was reading wisdom, but it was knowledge, you know, to me. And so I think it would be helpful to think through when you're reading books to acknowledge, like you said, the context that is written in. And by context, we don't just mean the place that they're in, like city location geographically, and we don't just mean they're cultural, like you said, Nelson, seriously, right? That's a, a New York church plant um, in New York City, in the Northwest, very difficult place, very, very different from Utah. But there's also the context of Nelson Searcy and his time at Saddleback and his life and his upbringing. And then there's Logan, you know, who is a, a completely different individual. And so recognizing that you are not that individual and they are also in a different context, serving different people at a different time than you. I mean, some of this stuff that we have now, I mean, when you look at some of the cultural hot points that we are dealing with right now, those weren't even on my radar when I was planting, right. you know, and guys that are planting now are really having to process through some of this as they plant churches on 
you know, gender dysphoria and wokeness and the whole stream of theology that's coming down the pipe right now. And, um, and so if you take an approach to checklist a book, you're doing yourself a massive disservice by not recognizing I am not them. You know, not only am I not them personally, I am not them when they were them and I am not them where they were them. And so that was a, a, I think, I think that was a bridge that I was trying to create between their writing and my ministry instead of really thinking more appropriately about why we read books. And this kind of goes back to, you know, where the 52 book was insanity was because you never get beyond just knowing something. Mm. And so, whereas now, you know, we want to, we, we, we would rather read a book with, with maybe a correlation that's, or an imagery that's helpful is from a mirror to a window, right? Where I, I'm receiving information and it's showing me, it's showing me things that are not in my church or not in my leadership. And, and we could go down a rabbit trail of like the seven areas of life by John Maxwell and all that sort of stuff, right? But I'm receiving information that is new to me. And what I want to do is I want to get to a place where people can see that information or that principle or that understanding through my life, right? I'm now a window of yeah. launch that book, you know, because yeah. I have, I've taken it, I've thought about it, I've prayed about it, I've meditated about it, I've thought about what that looks like in my context with my team, whatever that is or no team, right? Like our situation. Yeah, like, um, like we both messed up there. Yeah. And and allow that knowledge to like a cheesecloth, right? Just sift through you. Um, so now you're doing launch, but you're doing it contextually appropriately yeah. to you, your context, the cultural context you're in and geo, geo, geographical location uh, that you're in. And uh, I think, man. yeah, you know, young guys, no. they, they just have this tendency to, to want to, just dominate and jump through and get through information, not recognizing you got to like, I mean, the Marine Corps slow is smooth and smooth is fast. If you'll move slow, allow it to drip into you, absorb into you so that it's able to be personalized by you and incorporated into you, by you. Now you're moving fast. You got to go fast. You got to go slow to go fast. And, um, and that was not something I was doing with the books that I was reading. So Man, I know. I think you're spot on. And it's that idea of just the context of the, the not just yeah. the, 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 of your person. You know, I was, I was 22 years old when I read Mutchler and Cersei's book. I read them the spring of that same year. So I'm 22. I'm a lot of passion, a lot of zeal. I mean, I'm 22. I'm an idiot. You know, not a lot. It would have been helpful, you know, so I'm thinking like, I'm going to take these and I'm going to just do exactly what they did. And yes. so, you know, and, and again, that's the, that's the danger of taking a book up just at face value like that. Yep. I did all the stuff they said to do, you know, Cersei talks about launch services. We did launch serve or preview services. We did preview services. No one shows up at our preview services. Yeah. No, our launch service is terrible. All this. And you feel like gr- I mean, great, like distress and disappointment because you've took these guys as information and you did exactly verbatim what they said to do. And it didn't yes. yield the same results, yes. but it goes, what you said about just learning, how, how do you read a book? Why do you read a book? How do you read a book? And it's, I'm distilling that. And I'm, so it would be, you know, you're, you t- talk about the stupidity of reading 52 books a year. It would be, it would be more valuable. I think instead of someone saying, I'm going to read 52 books a year, pick one book and read it 52 times. Like just yeah. really, you know, just yes. really get in that. Cause that's what we do with scripture, right? It's not, you can read through the Bible in three months or whatever, and we can applaud ourselves. That's great. But that in itself is nothing, you yes. know, rather than sitting and soaking in it and meditating on it. And so I think we can take that approach to books is really internalize yep. it. And then what does that mean in my context? Uh, is there something I can glean from this material and a- apply here? And I tell you what would be helpful then is having a way to, cause I didn't do this. I'm, I'm still, this is a shortcoming. I know it. I hate writing in books. I hate writing in books. I, yeah. I feel like it's, it's sacrilege to take a pen to a book. And so that is, that's good. That is my, that's, I know that's crazy. I know that's, a, that's not good, but I wish, I think it'd be good to have a way to capture those things that are, you're, you're reading and standing out to you to revisit them, um, to begin to synthesize those things, compare it with other things you read. I probably would be beneficial to read church planting books 
I say any book, but we're talking about church planning books. Yeah. In a group, uh, or have yeah. someone reading it, reading it with you, or reading it as a team, um, or at least a mentor, or a coach, or somebody you can bounce it off of and say, "Hey, they're talking about this, and I've read this elsewhere. What are your thoughts?" and and begin to chew on it. And again, for the sake of internalizing it, and not just because when you get to the field, I yes, I read some church planning books once I arrived, but you hit the ground running. Yeah. And your mind's gone every different direction and you're really stuff's just falling out the back, right? You're not. Yes. So having some space where you're learning and internalizing stuff on the front end, I think would be huge. So yeah. you and I have been in some book reading groups together. I've done that with other ministry leaders. It, yeah. I tell you, it really adds a richness and another layer to reading a book is when you're going to debrief it and talk through it together. So yeah, it really I does. would highly encourage that. It's a huge benefit. You get questions that you wouldn't have thought of. You provide questions other people wouldn't have thought of. Um, yeah. Um, I hesitate to give tools because it's going to be, you know, everybody's kind of got their own thing. And, you know, as soon as you mention a tool, somebody's either all about it or they're like, that's stupid. Um, (laughs) my, uh, what has helped me is, uh, and, and two, it's, it's Apple based. So not, not everybody's Apple based, but, uh, mind node, uh, is a really cool, like branch branching, you know, kind of thing. So you take the household map where you're just stemming people's names. Do you know what my note oh, is? Have you seen that? I have no idea. No. So I, it's, I'm learning it's like, just I'm I'm learning along with our audience. Yeah, it's so it's mind, mind node. So like little nodes. I thought you were saying my node and I was like, what kind of growth <laughs> does he have? So it's it's mind uh <laughs> node, right? So so you okay, start having these things shoot off. So you have like chapter one, and then you've got the thoughts that are bridging off of it, and oh. um, and they're different colors. And um, so, anyways, that's that's been a really great tool for me to really retain what for me was the most important as I read through that book at that time. Which, again, side note, and this hurts Logan, you don't have to read all of the book. Okay. Uh, it is okay. He's going to disagree with me here, but that's okay. I, I, I it, know. It is okay to have a sense of a need of something and read a book that addresses that topic as a little bit of a whole or from a very 30,000 foot view and thumb through the table of contents and find something that's speaking to you uh, that seems like this is what I need the most help with in this book to read that chapter, glean and take away from it what you can or need and then shelf that book again um, until you again, right? Go from mirror to window, perhaps on those those things. Um, along with that, though, it it I think speaks to like the quality of the books that you're choosing. And yeah, we're talking about church planning books, and I think this is again where we could point back to the the healthy team uh, concept yeah. and your relationship with the sending leader because he should be close enough and in a proximity enough to you that he has a really good, like 90 to 95%, you know, like surety about what you actually need to be reading. Like he knows you and your propensities and what you're going to need to read, what would be beneficial and, and make some really good insightful offers for books for you to read. Um, But just because a book is about church planting does not mean that it's necessarily a book that you need to read, you know? Um, So like you were saying, once you hit the ground, like when you hit the ground and I guess too, as timing, right. We could talk about the timing of reading a book for church planting, dude, it needs to be a long time before you plant like 18 months, maybe two years, maybe a year. Some people don't want want you to a place before then, but it's like, you reading church planning books and me reading church planning books when we've already moved to the city, we are so behind the curve on church planning books because if you're already on the ground, you are already you are already committed to a process of sorts. Right. Um, so well, that needs so to be something you're fleshing out with, you know, some. some I would elders. say that take that's. That's a takeaway right now. Like this, yeah. if, if you're not, this is the time to be reading those books. Yes. Uh, before you show up, before you arrive, because yeah, once you get there, things will be in motion, and there will be things that demand some action that will set you on a path. Not that the path is isn't 
irreversible. I mean, I've made drastic changes in our ministry, but there's you're not going to want to, there's going to be a, a window where you want to have some of those ideas already rolling around in your head and talking yes. through them with people. And so if you're not reading church planning books, but you're planning on church planning, this will be the time to start doing that. I wish again, going back to sending agencies, that conversation, um, yes. I guess it was that's, I wish nothing was recommended to me. Yep. Um, and I wish it had been, that would have been helpful to have someone compile a reading list. I don't even, and of course now if someone were to ask me, what's your reading list? I mean, I gave you the books I read. I don't know. If I recommend all of them on there now, but um, man, that would be helpful. So if you're a pastor or a church planning organization, put together a reading list. That's the action yes. step there well, too. And, <laughs> and, and to your point, I, I could, I could kind of ask you this. You might have some thoughts on this. Like we were talking earlier about, okay, what are the things that you really need as a church plant planter? And honestly, even if you're doing an attractional model, your, your main mission is disciple making, right? So maybe you could point to, and I don't know if this is like tool specific, I'm not saying it needs to be tool specific, but when you talk about a manual, you know, for church planting, really what we're talking about is a manual for disciple making. And again, a lot of the books that me and you read were church planting, but it was so process oriented, which you you need some of that, but, but the processes and systems are all in place for people that are pursuing Jesus. Right. Yeah. So I think is some of the planters maybe that are listening to this are thinking about what books do I need to read, right? Because you're going to be smarter about this than we were, or or you're going to at least have this information at your fingertips, right? Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you're going to be smarter than we are, but uh, <laughs> as you're thinking about these books, I think there is some thought that needs to go into what are those most critical things, such as spiritual formation, disciple making, mm-hmm. spiritual health. Maybe there are some books along those lines, or maybe you even might even recommend some of the, I mean, in my brain, I'm thinking the four fields approach to leadership development kind of pops in my mind, but I don't know if you've had some other books that it's like, yeah, for the lead guy thinking about life formation and really what he's there to do, which is disciple making. Uh, yeah. What are some of those, you know? Well, I, I tell you something that was helped me and it's, it's a book. I think we read it together. It was from mega church to multiplication. Yeah. Uh, was you in that group that read that? It was because yeah. he, okay. Cause he was, um, the author covers a lot of the spiritual disciplines that we'd want to be in everybody yeah. with the expectation as, as we're just pursuing Jesus, Yes, you know, when God moves, we have a body of people that's ready and and to be, you know, be utilized in that harvest. So he talks about prayer and being in the word and all this kind of stuff, equipping people with simple tools and the worship and all this. And, and man, that was just like simple enough but I think it was just paradigm shifting for me, this idea of, oh, if we're just praying and fasting and just, you know, worshiping God and seeking him. And then when the Holy spirit blows through, like we're ready, like we've got the sails up and we're ready. And uh, yeah. so that, that, that was really, I think good. And that kind of bridges the gap between personal devotion and disciple making and church planting. You know, I think that sure. that book would kind of fall into all those and it's pretty straightforward off yeah. the top of my head. If I'd known you were going to ask that, I would have sifted through this list a little more. And um, well, I just pulled some out, but you just yeah, like to keep me on my toes, man. Yeah, that's um, on me. It, because well, it's it's something I spend a lot of time thinking about now. You know, yeah, because yeah. when I think about my role as a as a pastor and church planner, you know, strategic thinker about reaching people in Orange County, I I do like to just and I, and by the way, I think this is a great exercise for anybody to do. You always want to look at the stuff you're wanting to do and boil it down to its most simple components. Right. Um, and if you really take church and boil it down to its most simple components, uh, you know, it's not that there's not a lot of them, but we really are talking about healthy habits, I think. Right. Um, and, and we're talking about healthy habits being pressed deeply into people. Well, it's very base, you know? So, well, that's what, that was the gist of in that first episode I recorded about ecclesiology and not having it in my mind, what a healthy church was, right. Boiling it down to its essence. Um, But you're right. If you look at all those pieces in turn, what you see biblically, you know, repentance and faith and prayer and, and fellowship and all this. Yeah. That's, those are things you want happening at an individual, a personal level. 
yes. and an individual level because healthy disciples is what makes healthy churches. Yes. And, and so we want to, there is this idea of I'm coming as a church planter. Yes. But I'm pouring into individuals uh, and their lives that will make up the body of the church. Right. And so there is, again, that's a different paradigm. I'm looking back on it than when I initially yeah. thought, you know, that joke I told in the one episode where you spray the children with milk and (laughs) i've told that joke to so many people i I know how how is it received because i get just a 50 50 split when i tell it yeah it's been been well received i've got got that's awesome that's awesome (laughs) all right all Um, right where are we at what what else here? We're talking church planning books, misusing them, misreading them, looking back, how we have processed information. Anything else we want to add here to this conversation? I, again, I mean, you can reach out to either Isaac or I if you're wanting specific input on stuff to read. I mean, we've both got a list of stuff. I'm I've got a Linktree page. Linktree is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Logan Wolf. L-O-G-A-N-W-O-L-F. Isaac, you gave us your church website last time. Is that still the best contact information there? What's what is yeah, it's it's got a contact form. I mean, honestly, I could I could give out my cell phone. Um, I mean well then you- both of our audience members. I'm joking. Hopefully there's more. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, um, you can, you can put that in the show notes if you want, and, uh, I'd be okay. happy to to take a call. Uh, just if it's a number, I don't recognize, I oh, well, probably yeah. won't pick it up, I, uh, but leave a I'll voicemail, right? I mean, leave a voicemail, happy yeah. to call you back and, uh, and talk about can be a help. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I can't remember if we said this during the episode already, or if this was before, but it's, you know, Churches are not built by books, but the people who read the books build the churches. Yeah. And I think it's just important to, to remember that you are you, you are uniquely you at a unique time in a unique place with unique people. Yeah. And everything you read needs to be filtered and, uh, and processed through you before you just go and implement it. So Go slow to go fast, you know, is a, is a big I, theme, I think, here. I think that's so good. And to actually sit and process what you read and not just jump in. And again, it's not a recipe, you know, where you just, right. you. it's not a recipe. Church planning books. And that was, again, that was my, that was my era. So that, that's good advice, brother. I will say, one thing I mentioned it to you, I think before we started recording, just reading things that I don't think necessarily was, was helpful. So I've been reading about, I live in Utah, Utah. Um, least yes. reach state in America. I live in Provo, which is least reach Metro in America. It's, it's less than half a percent evangelical Christian, primarily, um, self-professing members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So Mormons, I was, I've been reading tons on Mormonism since I was in high school, um, stuff by Mormons, ex-Mormons, Mormons turned atheists, Mormons turned Christians, Christians who've never been Mormon, atheists who've never been Mormon, just everything I could read. Wow. And I continued that up until several years after we moved here. And so by the time I moved here, I had read all the generic stuff and was reading the most abstract. Mm. I was So I'm looking at the same time period, 2009, 2012, um, early Mormonism and the magic worldview by Quinn, this huge tome, like so abstract to, to what we were doing, American Massacre. The Tragedy at Mountain Meadows, September 1857 by Denton. Um, a g- compelling, great story, but again, abstract to the the um to our our purpose here. The vo- a voice of warning by Pratt. Pratt's one of the early Mormon founders um, or leaders. And so again, so abstract. I, I feel like, and I'm tr- I've I've been trying to reflect on this even this last few days. I, I feel like there was almost a level of being enamored with the culture we were moving into that it was almost like distraction because those books weren't helpful. Uh, and to be honest, I'm at a point now, if I never read another book on Mormonism, I'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you read so much and so much. And so I, I would say, and I don't know if there's any, par- like I'm sharing that because I'm still thinking through it. I don't know if there's any parallel to it, like in other cities and other culture where you just, I'm just reading everything I can on the, that culture. And I tell you reading. So this is maybe anyone in Utah or thinking of coming to Utah, 
reading about Mormonism and living among Mormons is two totally different things. And so you read all that and you get here and it's just not, not what it was. You know, I, the only time those books ever come up now is when I'm having lunch with the BYU professors, you know, every other month or something, my yeah. next door neighbor doesn't, you know, yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. but yeah, you know, and I and I almost want it can also also I guess become that same way with church planting books where you can become enamored with church planting, but never internalizing and applying any of it because I guess that's what happened with his books on Mormonism. You're reading and reading and reading like I read all this, but you, it doesn't have any application. Yeah. Um, and I know that's, I, I see that a lot, even with disciple making people like yeah. would love to talk about making disciples. We'll make disciples. And there's a lot of talk about it and a lot of reading and they want all the tools and the training and the seminars and, but they've never made a disciple. Right. And so, you know, and I, that's also, I think a danger of reading. We just consume the information and that there, there, I was wondering how I was going to bring this full circle, but that's how it was. And you never, <laughs> you read it and you never apply it and walk it <laughs> and walk it out. So we're not just reading church planting books to say we've read them or we're excited about church planting or in our, like the, there has to be a point where you're looking to put it in like, go. Yeah. Read about it. Then go make disciples and start a church. Like, yes, don't just, don't just stop at the, at the, at the reading component. So, all right. Yes. I think that was the last and, thing that was on my mind to share. Anything else, Isaac? Well, and I'll, I'll just kind of echo you. We'll keep going, on, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll echo you on that. I, you'd certainly want to be an applier. I will say this though. Like I had a real good friend of mine. Um, he talked about how we have so, we have such an inability to know what we are learning and what we know, where it will cross and correlate with things in our life mm. at any given point, right? So there are a lot of things that I read in those books that I find now are very helpful for me now because yeah. I can help explain uh, maybe to somebody who's coming up behind me like what they're looking at, you know, I can, to use the, the, the theology, you know, uh, or the, the God concept analogy, right. The whole elephant, you know, I can help them see a portion of the elephant and, um, but it wasn't helpful for me then, but it also doesn't mean I shouldn't have read it. So maybe, maybe as a piece of encouragement to somebody who's listening to this, you've probably read some stuff that, Felt like it was a waste of time. <laughs> you are going, you are going to read something to read something that yeah. you're pretty sure is a waste of time. Or someone's going to tell you that was a waste of time. And it's just good to remember that all the all the things you learn and all the things you read and all the things you're exposed to uh, are sovereignly placed in your life by God. And at some point of which you will be unaware and unable to predict, they will become very relevant and helpful for you. So uh, for, you know, so like with the Mormon stuff, dude, you know, I mean, obviously, and you would say this, like those help those conversations go well, uh, and right. they give you perhaps a voice, but not, not the voice you thought you were going to have with those people, but it does <laughs> give you a voice, um, that perhaps helps you continue making disciples, uh, in Utah for no other reason. They know that you understand where they're coming from, uh, perhaps yeah. even as, I mean, you're less of an outsider now. But if right. I don't know about you, but I, I'm still kind of an outsider. Like when people find out we've only been here since 2002, three, um, at least in California, we're still like we're still the people that are from Georgia, you know. And so for me to be able to articulate some things about Southern California is helpful. And I did the same thing, except ours was agnosticism and atheism, right? Mm. So I did the same thing. Bunch of apologetic books. Dar, you know, books by Darwin or not Darwin, but uh, uh, Dawkins, you know, um, oh, yeah. just ran down the, the path of atheism. And yeah, I would have to say those it's good. I guess I know those things. But if I'm ever talking to an atheist, there are zero things I'm talking about from that book. Right. I'm, I'm trying to talk about the person and their life and the things they care about. And Obviously, they're all made in the image of God, but that was also a thing too with, I think, within our background where you are assaulting the enemy forces of false religion. And um, and so you had to be prepared to give an answer of the hope that lied within yeah. you. And, you know, like, 
uh, you know, so you were, you were reading those books for a very different reason than, uh, than maybe should have, but anyways, so it's good, bro. It does. I appreciate your, uh, taking time to be on here and hashing this back out. I was going to tell you, I don't know if I told you my wife listened to our last conversation and when you were describing your setup and the, the, the rolling out the carpet and the pipe and drapes, she said, she says, I started sweating and getting anxiety, <laughs> reliving all that, you know? So, anyway. Oh man, it's crazy. It's terrible. Dude. It is so terrible. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, I hope this conversation has been helpful to you in some way. If it has, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. I would also ask that you share it. Um, pass it around your church planting friends, colleague, teammates, uh, whether they're on the field uh, or preparing to go. And um, again, my name is Logan Wolf. I'm joined by my friend Isaac Morin in California. And this has been Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a million part series.